Welcome, market participants, to another Three Things in Credit. I'm Van Hesser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. Each week, we bring you three things impacting credit markets that we think you should know about. Have we sold in May and gone away? Well, it kind of feels that way on this Friday. I wouldn't bet on it. It figures to be an active summer in markets. This week, our three things are, one, retail. How do you square retail sales with Walmart and Target earnings releases? Two, inflation expectations. We came across a new measure that shows quite divergent views across the world. And three, what's ahead? Markets corrected at a furious pace. Now what? All right, let's dig a bit deeper. Squaring up retail sales with Walmart and Target. The April sales report came out Tuesday and all was well. The almighty U.S. consumer, responsible for 70% of U.S. GDP, continued to spend at a healthy clip, fueling conviction of those that adhere to the watch-what-they-do-not-what-they-say crowd. This, of course, refers to the historically poor sentiment readings coming out of consumer confidence surveys. The core retail sales group rose 1%, easily topping the already healthy estimate of 0.7%, and that comes on top of notable upward revision to the March figure, which now stands at 1.1%. There was a very evident reopening bent to the data, with restaurants and bars leading the way up 20% year over year. And Americans haven't given up just yet on goods, with cars and home furnishings showing meaningful gains. Stocks, which are clearly driving credit these days, in our opinion, rose 2%. The Atlanta Fed GDP Now model that generates a current quarter growth estimate in real GDP jumped to 2.5% from 2% on the news, along with industrial production, we should mention, which also had a healthy beat. With real wages trailing inflation, a narrative developed that consumers were ready, willing, and able to tap into the much-talked-about plus trillion dollars of excess savings built up during the pandemic period in order to keep hopes of a soft landing alive. Well, then we got earnings reports from Bellwethers, Walmart, and Target, and the story took a very different turn, with unsettling insights into firm-specific issues, as well as implications for consumer spending overall. Stocks, of course, fell out of bed Wednesday, falling 4% before bleeding a bit more on Thursday. Both Walmart and Target had their biggest one-day drops 11% and 25%, respectively, since 1987. Walmart, despite better-than-expected sales growth across all segments, adjusted earnings missed the estimate by 12% on higher-than-expected cost pressures. Higher wage expense, resulting in part from the need to hire more people to make up for those out sick on COVID leave, higher fuel and storage costs, all pressured margins, as did the effect of inflation, which caused its customers to spend more of their wallet on consumer staples such as groceries and less on higher-margin consumer discretionary items, which left the company with more inventory than it wants. Wow. Needless to say, those three items are evident and have implications far beyond Walmart. While part of this story is, shall we say, transitory, namely the COVID impact and the inventory build, But part of it isn't. Walmart shoppers are clearly impacted by inflation and are not tapping into, or might more likely don't have, those excess savings we keep hearing about. 
that are going to keep the consumer spending story going. No, instead, Walmart is going to be less profitable, according to its newly updated full-year guidance calling for an earnings decline of 1% year-over-year from what was mid-single-digit growth. Now, over at Target, many of the same issues, a sales beat, remember, sales are nominal, i.e. inflation goosed, an earnings miss, this one 28% lower than the estimate, and reduced guidance for the future. The bigger miss might explain the more dramatic sell-off compared to Walmart, but the cumulative story of consumer spending vulnerability and compressing corporate margins probably explains the sell-off in the stock. Now, from Monday, the day before Walmart's release, Walmart is down 20%, while Target is down 30%. From a credit standpoint, we really don't have concerns about these two bellwethers' ability to adjust to the changing environment. Our concern lies in what the two signal about the ability of the U.S. consumer to continue to prop up economic growth and U.S. business to pass along higher costs. These reports call into question the consensus corporate earnings growth of 9% for 2022, that's for the S&P 500, and the consensus U.S. economic growth forecast of 2.7% for 2022. All right, on to our second thing, inflation mind games. Inflation is, to some extent, a state of mind, so say many economists. People pick up on patterns of spending and develop expectations about rising prices. Lately, folks have been encountering surprisingly high prices. Well, I haven't spent that much to fill the tank or grocery basket in a while, the thinking goes. Something must be up. Competition should serve to counteract unjustified price increases, but what if something is up, such as an overheated demand and supply constraints? Sound familiar? All of a sudden, inflation expectations take root, and in tight job markets like the one we are currently in, workers seek out and often get higher-paying jobs to pay for higher-costing goods and services, and the dreaded wage-price spiral happens. The playbook for that or at least the one Jay Powell and colleagues at the Fed seem to have found as Paul Volcker's late 1970s, early 1980s one centered around whip inflation now buttons and dramatic Fed tightening. We came across a measure of how present inflation is from the Economist newspaper, as they like to refer to themselves. Their inflation entrenchment score gathers data on five relevant indicators across 10 large economies to gauge just how dug in inflation is. Those indicators include core inflation, excluding food and energy prices, the dispersion of inflation across the consumer price index, labor costs, inflation expectations, and Google searches for inflation. Now, interestingly, in Japan, inflation barely registers. But in Europe, it's a range from low, Italy, to moderately high, Germany. In Canada, the U.S., and the U.K., it's high. The primary reason for the distinction seems to be the degree of fiscal stimulus deployed by those three nations in particular. And in Britain's case, Brexit likely is driving prices higher, according to the authors. We would also point out that in an important election year, which this is in the U.S., Persistently high inflation is the single most important issue. It affects everyone, and no one likes it. That means politicians have to address it in order to deflect the blame, as in Putin's price hike. This keeps the issue front and center and entrenched. 
Interestingly, while we believe we hit peak inflation in March, uncomfortably high inflation is likely to be with us here in the U.S., weighing on consumer and commercial sentiment at least through the end of the year. But it is also worth pointing out that both consumers and businesses expect inflation to moderate over longer time frames. The New York Fed this week released a report highlighting research that business expectations are more important than consumer ones as businesses set employee wage levels and prices on their goods and services. And expectations for inflation in 2025 and 2027 are 4% and 3% respectively. Those, by the way, line up with what consumers are seeing as well, as depicted in the New York Fed's survey of consumer expectations. Unfortunately, it looks to us that the Fed, for now, is hell-bent on bringing inflation down as soon as possible, making a Fed policy error over tightening monetary conditions and triggering a recession likely. All right, on to our third thing, defining the future. So we talked last week about how a variety of market benchmarks had not so elegantly returned to their long-term averages. In other words, they had corrected in the truest sense of the word from pandemic-era distortions back to normal. It's true for rates, for credit spreads, for stock multiples, for corporate default expectations, and for corporate bond issuance levels. Now, we acknowledge that all of these things incorporate a forward view. But what is driving that view? Let's start with inflation. It's driving consumer and commercial sentiment, it is impacting corporate earnings, and it is driving recession probabilities higher. And in the U.S., it is materially shaping midterm election campaigns and probable outcomes. It makes us all hang on every word coming out of the mouths of a seemingly endless parade of FOMC members. Our view? We reached peak inflation in March, but it will be persistently high through the end of the year. Supply-side constraints are not likely to improve materially over the balance of the year, but demand destruction through a combination of jawboning and the Fed aggressively playing catch-up, tightening financial conditions, will alleviate pressure as we head into next year. We think this is largely priced in. Corporate earnings growth slowdown. Strong like bull, corporate earnings racked up yet another solid quarter, beating expectations despite more than a few idiosyncratic misses. For Q1, 77% of the 474 firms reporting thus far in the S&P 500 have beaten the estimate. 69% were better year over year, and earnings growth for the group is 9.1% versus expectations coming in of 5.2%. So we worry less about Netflix or Boeing, as those are firm-specific stories, but we do worry about Walmart and Target for what they suggest about margin pressure and changing demand. Full-year earnings growth is forecast to be 9.2%. We'd take the under. We don't think this is priced in. War stories. Apart from the worst-case tail events, we worry here about an energy spike as the ultimate geopolitical economic weapon is weaponized. An energy spike is not our base case, but it's not a tail event either. Its ability to wreak havoc on consumer and commercial sentiment and its ability to lean on lower income segments of the population is of concern. We worry about a summer of discontent. We don't think this is priced in. China slowing. As we've talked about often on the podcast, China is going through a lot. 
The combination of COVID disruption and implementation of its common prosperity agenda is formidable and a material drag on global growth. But it's known improvement on this front could be an upside catalyst, and that we think is not priced in. Reduced new issue. As mentioned, supply is normalizing after the stimulus-fueled super years of 2020 and 2021. We really wouldn't characterize the outlook as one that will generate scarcity value, but it might feel that way compared to those years. We think this is priced in. Now, all of this implies continued pressure, but modestly so, on credit spreads. In a nutshell, we would expect to be range-bound in IG over the balance of the year and modestly wider in leveraged finance until the recession outlook clarifies. So there you have it. Three things in credit. One, retail. The nominal numbers are fine, but Walmart and Target revealed some troubling undercurrents. Two, inflation expectations. The topic is firmly entrenched, it appears, in the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. And three, what's ahead? Slower earnings growth and disruptive energy stories, but much of that has been priced in to this powerful correction. As always, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to check in on KBRA.com for our latest research and ratings reports. See you next week.